Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsnetwork.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies. 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, and 1039 FM HD 2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And it is great to be back in the hot seat again. I just came back from Iraqi Kurdistan. We are working on uh, setting up a campus over there in Erbil, which is the capital of Kurdistan. And the Kurds are spread around four countries, around three, 30 million Kurds. And there, some are in Iraq, some are in Iran, some are in Turkey, some are in Syria. So we're dealing with the ones in Iraq, northern Iraq, the Iraqi Kurds. And uh, they love America over there. Mm-hmm. Because when America invaded Iraq, it saved the Kurds from Saddam Hussein, who had gassed hundreds of thousands of Kurds by, dro- by sending helicopters over. Mm. So it was really a pleasant trip. The Kurds. So did they have a parade for you? And <laughs> no, not they didn't have a Our parade. Our favorite American, but uh, but everybody was uh, very friendly. You know, nice. we, I met the minister of education. Was in the prime minister's office. All the the top government officials talked with them, and trying to get this thing up and running. And so it was a very pleasant trip. It's all it's very European there because the the uh, the Kurds are warriors. Persmanga. Uh, is the they're 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 the fighters that stands for those who face death. They have the best army, and so they have created a safe haven there in Iraq, and a lot of investments going in there. And of course, Amazon and Walmart are still duking it out over online shopping. These two guys are big, and they are really aligned for the long term battle. This will also be the week that we analyze the physics of champagne bubbles. Analyze that's yeah. a good word. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I like that kind of analysis. I, uh-huh. I, I frequently do that analysis on New Year's uh-huh. over uh, over an extended period of time. <laughs> and uh, we're going to feature a tech idea of the week: automatic dog feeders that are hooked to your hooked to your cell phone. I think the dog will figure <laughs> out how to override it. Now, today we're going to feature on profiles in IT Charles George Charles Deval. He's the inventor. Of the first um, robotic arm that, among was, used, other that things. was used, yeah, among other, uh, that was used for manufacturing, and um, last week we featured uh, the man who was the uh, father of robotics. He actually took Charles Duvall's idea, popularized it, and spread it around. So I would say Charles Duvall, and when it comes, as when it comes to robotics, is sort of like Steve Wozniak was to Apple compared to Steve Jobs. So a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago, we did the the equivalent of Steve Jobs in robotics, and now we're doing the equivalent of Steve Wozniak in robotics, George Duvall. He's got an interesting story. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Yes, Glad to we, see he came back to oh, work on time. he was really on the ball there. We got an email from Doug in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Dear Dr. Schertz, thanks for all the past help in getting my computer problems and concerns solved. I've created another problem, Uh and I need your help. 
I'm trying to clone my Windows 10 operating system and all my files on my desktop to an external hard drive. Now, since Windows 10 has a built-in cloning program, I used it. A couple of hours later, the cloning was complete. When I looked on my external hard drive, boom, it was blank. But those files were copied somewhere. So now I'm thinking they were copied on the main hard drive of my computer. So I checked the amount of space left on that main hard drive, and it's really a lot less space left. So they're somewhere on that hard drive, and I can't find them. Uh, how can I get rid of them? And uh, how can I fix this situation? I enjoy your weekly radio program and all the archive shows as well. Thanks, Doug in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Well, let's talk about how Windows, the functions of Windows 10 and what they have to back up. Windows can, can back up files, individual files on your computer, like all your Word files, your, Express, your, your Excel spreadsheet files. And usually people just back up those files, and then if, they, if their computer goes down, they just reinstall the operating system, reinstall the applications, and then they restore the, the files from the backup. You can also, and you can, you can restore individual files from the backup. Now, Windows also has something called the um, reset point, the restore set point, and you can actually uh, you can actually set a restore set point, and then if something happens to your computer, you can go back to a previous restore set point, and it'll restore the the system to that set point. That's very convenient. Those restore set points are automatically set anytime you do anything, and it has finally something called a system image. Now, Doug, I think you're calling. You know, when you say it has the, the built-in cloning, I think you're talking about the system image because there's nothing within Windows 10 that's called cloning. So the system image copies the entire image of the, uh, of the, um, of the operating system, including all the, your data files, and it copies them all to one single file. And then if you want to restore your computer, you can simply restore it from that single file image. It's really, it takes a long time to run this uh, this, this image, and so it's, uh, it's uh, usually people just do the file backup, but you can do the, the image. Now, apparently, that single file that was created when you did the image is now on your hard drive. Now, it turns out that the single, Im the single image is created in a VHDX file. That's a virtual hard drive file, and the extension is VHDX. So, and it's not assigned a number because in order for that virtual hard drive to be assigned a number, you have to mount it, and then it's assigned a number so you can actually go to it. So it's just a file which is on your hard drive. Now, you can find it by going to Disk Management in Settings, and then in Disk Management, there's something at the top called Actions. Click on Actions, and the drop-down menu will have something called Mount VHD. So you can mount the VHD. Now, you want to... you'll you want to, you'll have to look around for the VHD. Now it turns out the VHD is in a um, is in a folder called Windows Image Backup. So you're gonna have to look all over your hard drive to find Windows Image Backup, and the VHD file is in that subdirectory. Pick the biggest VHD file and mount it. When you mount it, it will be assigned a drive letter, and then you can actually go to that and look at what's going on. Now, what you want to do is if you find the VHD file that was created on the day that you did that backup, you know that's the, that's the date, and you can, just, you can just delete that VHD file, and you'll be, you'll be just fine once you, once you find it. Now, Microsoft actually did not want regular consumers to use this disk imaging. They thought it was too complicated, so they originally hid it. 
And you'd have to go into the PowerShell, the Windows PowerShell, to activate it using using basically uh, command prompts. And there was a major backlash. They said, why did you make it so hard to find the, uh, the system imaging? And so then they ended up putting it back into the uh, graphical user interface, the GUI. But it's still difficult to use. Now, most people just use cloning software, which is a lot more transparent. You don't have to go through all this mounting stuff, and you don't, it's not so technical. And so one of the most popular cloning programs is Ease US to Do Backup. It's $29. And uh, there's also a, a, a limited freeware version of that. Ease US to do backup. The full version is twenty nine dollars. There's a there's a free version that's that's slightly crippled, and this uh, this cloning backup is very straightforward, and uh, you can basically um, it, it integrates with the Microsoft Volume Shadow so that users can backup volumes without undermining the other operating systems. It's a sector by sector backup, and it provides a digital image clone of the original Windows ten. It also has a check image tool that can check the image file for integrity. It's actually quite convenient, but I think you should have no trouble getting rid of that particular virtual hard drive file and then copying to uh, to an external hard drive. It was a good question, and thanks for that email. We got an email from Gene. Hi, Doc and Jim. I always appreciate your explanation on issues of all types. I'm running Windows 10, and it shuts down my screen too soon. Whenever I idle for a brief period, it seems as if I barely leave it, and boom, the screen is shut down. i got to enter my password. It was not very efficient. I've looked in the MS config file but could not find a solution. Separately, I wondered if you can be comfortable giving out all that information when using smart devices and the applications that, uh, that, uh, that you have on the phone. I'm not comfortable when it asks for things that aren't necessary, like when I go to Amazon Music and it and it wants access to my media, my photos, my other files. I'm, it's kind of a red flag to me. I'd like to understand what you think of all these app permissions and what we should do. Well, let's go to the, uh, to the first problem, which is uh, your, your system goes into, um, your basically goes into power save mode too soon. What you want to do, you want to go to settings in Windows 10, and then you can search for something called power and sleep. It's not in the MS config file. Search for something called power and sleep. And once you get to power and sleep, you've got two options. You've got power and you've got options for the screen, and you've got uh, options for going to sleep. Uh, you know, and so go to the screen option, and you've got you've got a choice for when you're op- operating on battery, and if you're on battery, you can you can you can choose how long the screen will turn off while you're on battery. You go from five minutes to an hour. Now, I, you're probably set on five minutes. Now. I, I have mine set for 15 minutes. When I'm on battery, I want it to go to, to, to I want the screen to shut off in 15 minutes. Uh, now, uh, as far as sleep goes, when I'm on battery, I, I have it go to sleep in one hour. If, if, I, if I'm not, the screen goes out in 15 minutes, but the whole computer goes to sleep in an hour if I'm on battery. Now, you got the powered option there. Under the powered option, you got one to five hours plus never. Now, I've chosen one hour for the screen, so if I'm plugged in, I've got it set up so the screen turns off after an hour. So it never turns off because I'm usually plugged in. But then as far as sleep goes, I choose never because a lot of times I'll be making backups, you know, when I do my backups for my carbonite and things backing up, and I don't want it to turn off while the backup is in place. So while it's plugged in, it never goes to sleep. 
Now, as far as permissions for applications go, only give access to those functions that you use. So if you're not going to use voice commands, don't, don't give it access to the microphone. It's asking for access. You don't have to give it. Now, if you've, if you've got, say, if you're trying to do uh, Amazon Music and you, and you want to, um, you know, play music from your device, it's going to have to have access to media. On the other hand, if, if you're only using Amazon Music to stream from the web, you don't have to give it access to media because it's not ever going to, going to access media. So just don't give it permission. So you just limit the permissions to what it, uh, to what it needs. And say Amazon, say the Amazon app is going to ask for access to the camera because what they they have an option where you can you can take a picture of a device or a scan code and it will try to identify the, the, the object for you very quickly if you're searching for a particular object. But if you're never going to use that camera function when searching the Amazon website, don't give it access to the camera. So I do give access for those for those uses that I actually need, and I don't have a problem with that. We got an email from Susan in Alexandria. Gentlemen, dirty a pool. <laughs> now, as a result of my tip-off, you're having Dr. Shirts announce the rundown topics for the best of Tech Talk editions. Whatever happened to transparency, Susan in Alexandria? Whatever happened to trying to keep a few listeners <laughs> when we're not here? Yes, indeed. Well, Susan, uh, you did tell us. That yes. you could tell was the best of show when Jimmy did the introduction. So we corrected the format. Yes. So we could we could we could we could tease you on just a little bit longer. This is our show. <laughs> That's right. But but you <laughs> no, know, it's your show. I'm but just... but you know, so, but thanks for the tip, and we intend to perfect our techniques based on your feedback. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Susan is now a show consultant, and what 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 is her consultant fee? It's it's zero dollars. It, right? It's zero dollars. Yeah. That's right. And we get every every we get our money's worth. Uh, we got an email from David in Little Rock. Dear Tech Talk, I peri- periodically clean up my hard drive and delete unneeded files. I've been using CC Cleaner, but I don't want to continue this paid subscription. Are there any free options, David in Little Rock? Well, Tech Talk, uh, I've really not recommended CC Cleaner for a while. It, I mean, it nags you to run it because of the paid subscription. And if you want to turn off the nag, you've got to pay a little fee. And um, and so, in addition, CC Cleaner has been hacked sometimes, and you you may have malware with it. So, it, over the last few years, Windows has Windows has really created a really nice built-in disk cleanup tool, and that's what I'd recommend. It works very well. Microsoft improves at every version. This tool removes temporary files. It removes previous Windows installation. It removes log files, old Windows updates, thumbnails, and various other cache files. If you never run it, you can probably free up a few gigabytes of space by doing so. We don't recommend CC Cleaner because you, Windows already does a great job at cleaning up disk space. Now, to access the free up disk space tool in Windows 10, go to Settings and then System and then Storage. And then click on Free Up Space Now under the Storage set. The Windows will still automatically scan for files that you delete. Check the files you want to delete, and then click Remove Files to get rid of them. Now, warning, if you check Recycle Bin, it will empty your Recycle Bin, so be sure you don't have anything in Recycle Bin that you want to recover, that you deleted by mistake. We got an email from Joan in Springfield, Missouri. Dear Doc and Jim, we're going on vacation to Israel and would like to share our photos as we go. We both have iPhones. What do you recommend? Enjoy the podcast, Joan in Springfield, Missouri. Well, there are a couple of ways you can share photos if you're actually, if you're in a group. One, you can create a share folder in iCloud, 
and uh, and both of you and and as you take pictures, they'll be uploaded to the iCloud, and both of you will see the photos in real time that are placed in that folder. You can simply go to iCloud Shared and then select the plus sign, which means you're going to add a shared folder, give it a name, call it Israel, and then you add people on the trip to that folder, and they then accept the invitation, and they're looking at the same shared folder, and you can all share your share your photos in that shared folder quite easily. Now, here, now I did that once on a trip to Spain, and all the people I was with were not happy with me <laughs> because it uses data. And so if the iCloud is not configured to only upload and download photos over Wi-Fi, it will upload and download photos with cellular. And in Spain, cellular data was really expensive. And by the way, data in Israel is very expensive. So if you do this, you want to configure your iCloud to only upload and download photos over Wi-Fi and not over cellular. Gotcha. Now, I don't even use the iCloud folder sharing anymore. There's a better way. Uh Uh-huh. AirDrop. Okay. AirDrop is really good because then you can share immediately and you don't use any data. It uses Bluetooth. So you simply select the photos you want to share and the other person, well, the other person that you want to share them with, they have to configure their AirDrop to accept pictures. And you can you configure it three ways to accept pictures from no one, which means they, they you can't send it to them. Select pictures from contact list or select pictures from everyone. So they should probably select from contact list. And then once they open, uh, you know, they log into their iPhone, you simply select the photos you want to share, and you click share. And then you'll have all these options like email, message. But then there will be a blue, there will be an airdrop symbol, and there the name of their iPhone will show up in airdrop. You click on that, on that airdrop symbol, and you're inviting them to take it. Then they simply will get an invitation window that pops up if they accept it. The pictures are all transferred directly to their photo folder over Bluetooth wow. using no data. But the beauty is the the date on the photo, it goes into their photo thing, not like new photos. It goes in in, in, in the proper date order, so all the photos are properly organized by date. Cool. It's as though they took the photo. Wow. So actually, I've gone purely to Bluetooth sharing because it doesn't use any data. And it's so quick. Wow, I've learned something new today. Well, listen, we love your emails. You can email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. And we'll get back to you at the next show. Or maybe it's emergency. We'll get back to you immediately. It's Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2. You can watch us do the show by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has experienced IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with 
accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with the future in cybersecurity. Learn more about Stratford's up to $15,000 IT scholarship competition. Application deadline is September 30th for those who qualify. Register today at stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature George Charles Duvall, Jr. Now, George Duvall was an American inventor and a very prolific inventor who is known for developing Unimate, the first material handling robot employed in industrial production work. He came with the first robot used in automotive manufacturing. He invented it. George DeBall was born February 20th, 1912 in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, he was always interested as a boy in all things electrical and mechanical. He's always taking things apart, figuring out how they worked. He attended Rorden Prep School, and he didn't really like his classes that much, but but he liked to study all sorts of things, mechanical, electrical. So they they let him construct some buildings on the campus there. He ran the school's electric plant. And he, <laughs> he, he was having a good old time, but he wasn't really, you know, an academic star there at the school. Mm-hmm. He wasn't very scholarly, but he could figure how stuff worked out very easily. After graduating from high school, he decided to forget college. It's just, I'm not going to class. I would just want to start inventing. So he started United Cinephone. And he had the idea that he would find a way to put fi- to put sound directly onto film for the newly invented motion pictures called talkies. No kidding. Yeah, so he... So he started working on this. At, he, he called United Cinephone, and he, and he got <laughs> and, and he got all of the C I N E, not S I N. I thought this is a well. <laughs> I was actually thinking cinnamon flavored phone, oh, but that's, that's something. Right. Never mind. Cinephone, that's, that's Cinnabon. Right. That's right. Never mind. And so and so he th- well this this would be a very good idea. And you put the sound directly on the on the film. So he got photo detectors and all the electronics to build this thing. And then he discovered that other people were working on it, like like RCA and some really big players and he thought, you know, I don't think I don't think I'm going to make uh, I'm going to make any headway here because they're going to beat me to the marketplace. So he pivoted to other things and he had all of these photo sensors, he had all these vacuum tubes, all this electronics that he had purchased for the for the uh, for the sound uh, motion picture sound project. He said, "Well, what can I do with it?" So he started inventing stuff. The first thing he did, he took a photo sensor and he invented the photoelectric door. This is the door that automat. Now we just we're just used to it. You walk up to the door and it opens. Well, he invented that and he he licensed that and they started producing the first photoelectric door. Then he said, "Well, what else can I do with these photo cells?" So then he invented a barcode system for sorting packages for Railway Express. And so they put a barcode system on there. He'd use these photo detectors. They would detect the barcode and boom, they they would track it. He did the first optical registration control for color offset printing using these same components. He ought to, in addition, he, he built a photoelectric people counter so at the World's Fair they could count the number of people going in and out of the building, uh, you know, th- throughout the day. So 
This guy could just come up with all kinds of ideas. He could put, put the, the electronics together, he could field it, and he could sell it. He was extremely prolific. When World War II began, he decided he wanted to do something to really help the country, so he sold United Cinephone and all of these inventions that he had made, and he, and he, and he went to Sperry, um, uh, uh, you know, Sperry Gyroscope, and he said he'd like to help them with uh, radar, with their develop the radar system. So Sperry hired him to develop radar devices and microwave test equipment. So uh, he he worked on he, he worked at Sperry for a while, and then uh, then a couple years later he was he was hired by Auto Ordnance to produce counter radar devices. See, because once we had radar. Then the enemy had radar, and then we had to have counter-radar devices to override their radar detection capabilities. So he began working on counter-radar devices, and the, and the uh, auto-ordnance uh, radar countermeasure systems were on every single Allied plane by on D-Day. Hmm. Now, Duvall was part of the team that developed the first commercial use of microwave ovens. This device automatically cooked and dispensed hot dogs, and it was called the Speedy Weenie. And so there you go again. The, the first Speedy Weenie. Commercial use of microwave ovens, the Speedy Weenie. You know, it's pretty quick to cook <laughs> a hot dog anyway. I, you know, I don't know. But I would was, think of a lot of other things to use the microwave for. You could, well, but back then they, you know, they were trying to make a case for it. They had know? hot dogs back then. That's they the, they had hot the dogs back then, so you know, I use it to heat up water. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, that's yeah. In 1946, he applied for a patent on magnetic recording systems for controlling machines, and also for a digital playback devices for machines. This is this was so that he could record things and he could send the information to machines. This would ultimately become the brains of the robot system that he was going to invent later on. And so this was the beginning of his robotic thinking. He developed first the magnetic recording system so he could record different uh, commands, and he could and he, you'd send those to machines. Then in 1954, he applied for and received a patent for the programmed article transfer device, and, and he introduced the concept of universal automation, universal automation, and he shortened that to Unimation, universal automation. He shortened it to Unimation, and ultimately he termed it Unimate, Unimate. So he came up with this programmable article transfer device, which he termed Unimate, and this was basically the robotic arm, say that was used initially for auto manufacturing, say to do to do welding or to move parts from here to there to stack parts. And it was just this robotic arm that you could that you could program to do different things. And so we applied for the patent. Now, what is interesting, this particular patent was so original, there was not a single prior citation, because you usually have to do prior prior work in the area, you have to do those citations so that you differ from the prior work. There was no prior work. This huh. was the first of its kind. This was a new category, an extremely innovative idea. Now, he teamed up with Joseph F. Engelberger, who we featured last week. Now, Engelberger recognized the power of this device. It was more than just a programmed article transfer device. He realized that you could use this robotic technique across all industries to do lots and lots of things. So he was thinking big. So he and Duvall teamed up. And they convinced Consolidated Diesel Electronics to back the development of the robot. 
And the new division within Consolidated Diesel Electronics was called Unimation, and Unimation made the Unimate. So Joseph Engelberger was like the Steve Jobs of, uh, of uh, robotics. He took the idea, he marketed the idea, he got it accepted. But uh, George Duvall is like the Steve Wozniak of Apple, who actually invented the device and did all the electronics in the background. Now, in the beginning, the Unimation, Unimation designed and machined every part of the Unimate because they, there, was, there were just no other, they couldn't buy parts for it because they were trying to do things that had never been done before. So they designed and machined every part of the Unimate. The first Unimate robot was hired, was, was purchased by GM, General Motors, to lift hot pieces of metal from a die and stack it. So you could see as, as, as a person taking these hot pieces, stack them with tongs, put them down. That would be an unpleasant job. So they had Unimate do it. The, Unimate will do anything. It will do anything that you tell it to do. Just mm-hmm. program it. Now, the first Unimate cost $5 million to develop. Uh, but obviously they had to bring the price down in order to make money. In, by 1966, full-scale production was in running, and they had dropped the price down significantly so they could sell it at a profit. And the first robot production, the first production robot that came out of the production lines was a material handling robot, materials handling robot. And that was soon followed by robots for welding and robots for other applications. Now, GM, of course, started the, started the, um, the action in, in automotion to use it, but very quickly, all of the other auto manufacturers bought it. Mm-hmm. And you, 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 you've seen pictures now of these auto, auto assembly lines. You've got all these robotic arms doing things, putting in screws, welding, moving things. And so all of that came out of Unimate. By 1975, Unimation showed its first profit. In 1978, Puma, the programmable universal machine for assembly, was developed with support from GM. Now, Duvall obtained a whole bunch of other patents on visual and tactile, tactile, tactical sensors, Tactile sensors for robots, coaxial connectors, non-refillable containers, magneto-restrictive manipulators, all sorts of inventions that were needed to make the robot more effective. He just kept inventing, inventing, inventing. He was elected as an honorary member to the Society of Manufacturing Engineers. He was inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame in 2011 and is a member of the Automation Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm yes. sorry, have I cut you off? Yeah, you... no, you have not. Okay, so I, I, you know, you could use the Unimate to fetch your speedy weenie. Yeah, well, because you, could, you don't want to burn your hand. That is true. You could have the speedy weenie. You could have the Unimate go in there and, and put it in the bun. Well, and it comes in the bun. I actually found a picture of this thing. You Did, mean, have you it, seen this? It's cooked, it's cooked in the bun. Yeah. It, well, it, it is. It, the machine looks is the size of a Coke machine. Okay. And it says at the top, it says what does it say? Radio. Radio cook or something like that. Radio <laughs> radio chef, and then and then uh, it'll cook your hot dog in twenty seconds uh-huh. and dispense it in a bun wrapped in cellophane. Wow! Guess how much it costs? How much? Ten cents. Ten cents. Ten for cents a, for a speedy weenie. For a speedy weenie, and it will spit out two hundred speedy weenies continuously without having to stop. So okay, so two hundred speedy weenies at twenty seconds each. That's four thousand seconds, right? Yeah. How long do you think? That, that's over an hour yeah. that it'll be working. Working to so, put up. There you go. So, so the, the, <laughs> the pictures show the inside, the internal workings of this thing. 
You don't want to see your sausage made, nor do you want to see it cooked. Yes, that's right. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. Everything, you know, this is something I'd never talked about a speedy weenie before. No, well, there's the a first for everything. There's a first. That, there you go. Everything you want to know about George Duvall, who is the man who invented the first robotic arm. And the speedy weenie. And the speedy weenie. Yes. All right. It is Saturday morning. You're listening to Tech Talk Radio. It's time for you to get uh, free food. It probably won't be a hot dog, but it will be something a lot better than that. So we're going to play the pop quiz next here on uh, Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Radio, heard on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2. You can watch us cook weenies here in the studio by downloading the Periscope app and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has experienced IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with exceptional Accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with the future in cybersecurity. Learn more about Stratford's up to $15,000 IT scholarship competition. Application deadline is September 30th for those who qualify. Register today at stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell. The security guard at the front desk, featuring Mr. Big Voice, with musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band, and your host, Jim Russ. Happy weekend between the holidays. Thanks for tuning in this morning and listening to Tech Talk Radio and for playing the pop quiz. We just finished talking about George Charles Duvall, who was a prolific inventor. He came up with something called Unimate. It was the first material handling robot used in industrial production work. He was also part of a team that developed the first commercial use of a microwave oven. They came up with this device that cooked and dispensed hot dogs. Today's question simply is, tell us the name of that device. If you know the answer to today's question, well, hot diggity dog. But in order to turn that knowledge into free lunch, you need to call us now. If you're dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're trying to thaw your hot dogs in Canada, call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. And of course, if you're dialing from outside the continental U.S., you might try the international line. 
877-9-3639-333 or 1-800-PAJAMAGRAM. And Ramitchell, our adjunct professor for prize distribution, crowd control, and head elf is standing by to take your calls. So, dial now. So let's talk about the device of the week, the tech idea of the week, the automatic dog feeder. Now... <laughs> It has nothing to do with the speedy weenie. <laughs> nothing to do with the speedy weenie, no. No, not at all. This automatic dog, you know, they'll, they'll just make your life easier. You don't have to worry about feeding your dog. You can get home late. So there are a few options here that are out there. The cheapest one that I found was W.O. Pet. Woe Pet. W.O. Pet. Pet Feeder. It gets the job done. It's reasonably, reasonably priced $90 on Amazon. I get $90. I can dump the food in the it, bowl myself. It has a programmable timer. You can set it to defense, You can set it up to dispense food four times a day with portions of two teaspoons up to four and a half cups per serving. Good so you, grief. So you just feed the dog exactly You're what they're supposed to get. Feeding a horse? Now, now WOPET is wall-powered or battery-powered in case of um, powder, powder outage. Now, this is, the, this is the thing. You can record a message that plays while your dog is eating so he can hear your voice in case he has separation anxiety. <laughs> That's $90. Now, you've got feed and go. Smart pet feeder. Now this is two forty nine if you really want to go, you know, go big. Now this is an automatic food dispenser that that be controlled with an app on your Android or your or your iPhone or your Windows smartphone. Now you can watch your dog eat via camera on the feeder. Oh, that's really exciting. As long as your feeder is connected to Wi Fi, or you can even schedule feedings with your with your with your phone. You can actually trigger a one feeding session or regular meals just by clicking a button on your app. I mean, suppose your dog looks hungry, you can just give him a little food, and you can watch him watch him eat. Now it'll have, it'll take wet or dry food. It'll, you can even put medication in there if you want to give your dog some medication. It's got six compartments. Each holds up to eight ounces. But you don't want to keep wet food in there more than 24 hours. Ew. Now, if the feeder's offline and the Wi-Fi cuts off, the feed and go will still feed according to the schedule. Hmm. Now, that's $249. That's kind of the, the, the Cadillac. That's the Cadillac. Then you've got sort of the mid, the sort of the uh, sort of a, a mid-price one, the PetSafe automatic feeder. It'll d- deliver 12 meals, and it's I mean, in case you're going to be gone, say for three days or four days, it'll, it'll take 12 Hold meals. Hold that thought. Yeah. And so here, pet safe is uh, you know you can you know it, it you know your dog can't break into it. They're all very, very carefully controlled with security, so the dog can't break in and get the food. It has a twenty. <laughs> see, that's the problem. Security? What is there a little guard with a gun? Well, see, well, see that is the problem. <laughs> the Wait, they, you know, the dog knows there's food in this thing, and it's going to try to break into it. Of course it, so, it so, is. So you got you got to. Now it has a twenty-four cup capacity. It's got a digital timer. It can portion out food to eight cup, four uh, four cups, whatever you want. It's battery operated, but it's got a power adapter if you want to plug it in. Now you don't rely, need to rely on Wi-Fi to keep your dog scheduled. Just program it in your set. Now, if you're interested in a Wi-Fi enabled version, you can check out the PetSafe Smart Feed Automatic Feeder, which is compatible with smartphones. But the one without the Wi-Fi is ninety-three to one hundred and six dollars. So there you go. Everything you want to know about automatic no, dog feeders. That's not everything I want to know. Okay. I have questions, okay? Because okay. th- 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 this one thing can feed up to 12 consistent meals. Yes. The law of puppies is what goes in must come out. So what ha- is there something to automatically walk the dog or... There's there's going to have to be there's going to have to be another complimentary device. There that, was, <laughs> to, 
complimentary to, device. To handle the output. Maybe this is a job for the so, Unimate. So this is... Yeah, the be. dog, you can pick the dog up by the collar, hold it outside long enough, and then bring it That's back right. in. That's right. could be a Unimate application. So there's going to be a complimentary... Uh, so this is the input. This is the input. They're going to be a complimentary output device. Output device. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do some research on that, Jim. Back with more in a minute. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has experienced IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with Accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with the future in cybersecurity. Learn more about Stratford's up to $15,000 IT scholarship competition. Application deadline is September 30th for those who qualify. Register today at stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And, you know, today we're going to do something that we love to do every year. Yes, we do. We're going to drink champagne. We should do this every week. But the reason that we're doing it is really, it's really scientific. It's science. It is science. Yes. We have a higher purpose here than simply drinking champagne. Mm-hmm. That's what I always say when I'm drinking champagne. I have a higher purpose. <laughs> What's the higher purpose? To analyze how the oh, bubbles okay. are nucleated you know, in the glass. Oh, come on now. A team of scientists at the University of Reims have revealed the secrets behind the bubbles in champagne. Do you realize that a single bottle of champagne contains... Ten million bubbles. I did not know that. And I would, I, I, I have seriously doubt that they, anybody ever counted ten million bubbles. But this is what they estimate. How do, oh, they, now, as estimate. the bubbles reach the surface of the champagne, they explode, and when they explode, they leave a tiny crater in the surface. Now that crater closes up, and then it ejects a thread of liquid when it breaks into droplets, and that liquid can fly up to ten centimeters. Have you ever noticed? that you'll feel uh, little drops coming off the champagne when you put your nose close to the top of the yes. glass. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. because that's, that's caused by the exploding bubbles, Jim. I, I sense when we open this bottle of champagne, there will be an explosion. They also figured out why a string of bubbles, known as the bead, rise from a certain point in the glass. Mm-hmm. Do you ever wonder that? It, that I've like wondered the bubbles that don't every from... time I've had a glass of champagne. See, I've wondered this. I sit and look at the bottom of the glass of my of the bottom of my champagne glass quite a bit, analyzing <laughs> analyzing those bubbles because it winds up empty that's quite right, a bit. That's right. And so when it what happens is that these bubbles or these beads rise when there's a microscopic fiber 
left by a kitchen towel or maybe some airborne particle that's stuck to the inside of the glass, which allows molecules of dissolved carbon dioxide to coalesce and form bubbles. So they nucleate around some irregularity so in the glass. We were talking about this last week with some friends, uh-huh. and they're like, some organic material left in the bottom of the glass. What could that be? And it's <laughs> as simple as just a fiber off of a towel or something. It could, it could you don't be. have to put, like, dirt or rocks no, in the bottom no. of your champagne. That's right. <laughs> so, for instance, if your glass is retrieved from a dishwasher and it is absolutely clean uh-huh. it's been blown dry not my dishwasher and there are no and there's no dust on it at all you may not get any bubbles because there's no place for the bubbles to nucleate that's not good no and so you actually want now what some of the high end champagne glass manufacturers do mm-hmm. at the bottom of the glass they will sandblast a little place and roughen it up ah. to make certain that it will nucleate from the bottom now, I wanted to bring those. I have champagne glasses like that. You do. I was forbidden to bring them to the studio <laughs> because those were our good champagne glasses. Uh-huh. These look awfully nice, though. Yeah, but they don't have that sandblasted bottom. Well, in the, and I so, could get a pen or something and scratch. The, uh, never mind. Hey, I'm, let me add at this point that if you want to watch this, you yes. can follow us on Periscope. Uh, uh, follow us at at. Uh, WFED Tech Talk, at WFED Tech Talk, and you can watch us make a mess out of the studio. Now, this is the thing. We had the right. discussion last week off the air. Should should you drink champagne from a tall, long-stem glass yes. or from a shallow cup? Now, now this is the theory. If you have a shallow cup, it says that the uh, CO2 comes off faster than if you have a flute, which is a narrow flute, which – and so they – initially wanted to have champagne in a flute because then the bubbles would come off slower and then it would maintain the bubbly look longer. Okay. But you are telling me that there's now a new theory out on that. No, it was Andrew. Andrew Mitchell, get yourself into the studio, please. There, there was now get a, a new here. theory that... That that there's there's another... I, I said run, not walk. <laughs> Find a microphone. Andrew, you you heard about this? What was what's the, what's what? the theory about about uh, not using champagne flutes but using a regular wine glass? Oh right, so sommeliers are now saying that they use a wine glass because if you have a, the too narrow uh, a stem like mm-hmm. a glass that's too narrow, all you get is the gas, the bubbles that hit your nose first, and you barely get at the flavor of the liquid underneath. Ah, ah so we have we've added another tier. So we have another to the, the scientific. Right. So if you have the old-fashioned kind of glass that they used to have, like in the 60s and 70s, if you yes. look at James Bond movies, mm-hmm. that glass was too wide open mm-hmm. and it let the bubbles escape too quick. So the perfect um, happy medium is like a white wine glass. So it's wide and high. Like the one we have over there. That looks it's, really, really that good. That looks like Absolutely. it's okay. How about the one that Dr. Shirts brought over here? Those are dreadful. Okay, except for the crystal. I brought, I, I, brought, I brought the two dreadful ones and because they sound we want to. But I mean that. the wine glass. Is that they are not sommelier? Well, that little wine glass is all right, but this is probably better because it's yeah. taller I and higher. I think the wine the glass, glass yeah. the Doc brought, he stole from the Escoffier at Stratford. So, yeah. so this is so we used to have the narrow, the narrow flutes because the CO2 comes off slower. Mm-hmm. But then you've got a whole layer of CO2 gas above the wine, so you can't smell the wine. So now you want to let that CO2 gas escape. And so that's a compromise between whether you want a wide 
glass or a narrow mm-hmm. glass. And so now they just said, just use a white wine glass, which actually is what I always used when I didn't have champagne glasses. <laughs> so the fact is, I've probably been doing it correctly. You were on the cutting edge. I was on the cutting edge. I just said, I don't have a champagne glass. I'll just use this white wine glass. Or and so plant. maybe I was or right Dixie cup. All, the, all the way along. Or a paper bag. Now, here's the thing. Now, what about drinking champagne out of a plastic cup? Yes. It turns out that that's a pretty drab experience because plastic is hydrophobic. It repels liquids, so the bubbles adhere to the oh, sides. Wow. They adhere to the sides of the plastic cup, and they won't escape. That's funny. So we'll we'll check. Well, I've got plastic cups we here, plastic. And, we'll, and we'll see all the bubbles and on the side of the cup, but we won't see any bubbles coming out. I was in a grocery store looking yesterday at the plastic champagne glasses, mm-hmm. and now I'm glad I didn't waste money on that. Yeah, no, you know that's ridiculous. Uh, not, that, not that I would ever drink out of a. Sh- no. No, no, I think no, we should. No, we have no. one of Santa's elves traveled all the way from the North Pole today and brought champagne with her. So uh, should we ha- should we have her open yes, it now? Yes, I, I, Mary, think, if you I would. think we should do that, yes. And um, So I think we're opening up the bottle of champagne now. Uh, yeah, we're going to open that up. Uh, and uh, Okay, so you had other stuff here about the, the plastic and whatever, Yeah, right? so, so it turns out that they that recently they if you want fewer bubbles in the champagne because it uh, – it uh, it you don't want it to bubble too much, and so there's been a trend recently to reduce the amount of uh, uh, bubbles in the in the champagne. It used to be that they would put in 24 grams of sugar per liter of champagne, along with the yeast in the second fermentation, in order to generate the bubbles. Now they've reduced that to 18 grams of sugar, so you have less pressure. In the process of of, of creating the, oh. the second fermentation, we're about to test that right now. Okay, <laughs> I think. Now here's the thing: if you read the label of a champagne bottle, it doesn't say carb. Oh, there it oh, went. Oh, there it goes. Whoa. I think we heard that. Is it? I the can't label, see it. The Is label it? actually it's says good? carbonic acid. By uh-huh. the way, because the CO2 is absorbed in the liquid and it turns into carbonic acid. So that's what the label says. Ah. In case you wonder why there's carbonic acid in your champagne. I'm wondering. So now we better taste the... Uh, we no, better. Now, what, what what kind of champagne is this? Is this some... This is... Uh, Mary, tell us what that is. It's... It's from Spain, and it's... Um, it was it was cheap. <laughs> we bought several bottles of this stuff. Well, but it's that, good. That's good. But it's not French because it's if it's unless it's from France, it's really not champagne, right? That's right. From the Champagne region. Okay. That's right. It was right. it was invented in France. It was actually invented by the monks by mistake. Really? Yeah. They they basically corked the bottles before the fermentation was complete, and then they ended up. The fermentation, then all of the CO2 was trapped in the bottle, mm-hmm. and they created champagne by mistake. And then, I did not know that. And then they said, "Hey, this is a good marketing pitch." Uh huh. So it was actually invented at a monastery, Dom Perignon. Interesting. I think uh, at this point, Mary, if you would present the champagne to our expert. Which glass would you like? To oh well, I don't know. Yes. Doc, what do you want? Well, I think we should try. We, try the fl- we, should, we should try the flute first. Uh huh. Yes. Dead air is great on radio, by the That's way. That's right. See what what we want to what we want to no 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 when you pour it you have to you you don't want all these bubbles like uh, that you uh, have you have to go like this and so it just uh, it just rolls down the edge. This is a Periscope exclusive, you by the way. You see here now now you notice if you if you pour it like that you get fewer bubbles right 
right away. Uh huh. Now notice meaningless here, waste, right? Now this is uh, now we're getting we're getting bubbles. You know this is we're getting quite a few bubbles here. There now, must be th- dirt in that glass. Now this the first glass hardly any bubbles. What happened? Okay, which glass is the dirty glass? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You see there, the dirty yeah. glass is producing all the bubbles. Did you, so you deliberately made one glass dirty and one glass clean? Is that true? Or is it just happenstance? I rinsed them both off with water, uh-huh. and then after, then uh, then one of them I just wiped with a with with a clean dish towel. Ah, okay. And, and the other you just let air dry. Yeah. Ah. And so look at this, almost no bubbles in the one that's okay. clean, and then the one which was wiped with a. Now let's try. Let's try a wine glass. Yeah. Well, no, let's try the plastic glass let's now. That. Let's try the plastic glass now, and we'll see we'll see what happens. What what happens here with this plastic glass? Notice here, all the bubbles are stuck to the side. It still looks pretty, but you're right. The it, bubbles are stuck to the side. It looks pretty, and all the bubbles just stick to the side of the plastic. Wow. So what's the point of having a plastic yeah. uh, champagne glass? Because the, the glass is now they're finally releasing, but mm-hmm. it just it just yeah. it's just not it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Champagne out of a plastic cup is just not really that. Now what are we going to do? We, we're going to try the wine glass, and I think you guys, you two need to 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 see what it what the aroma is. Yes, b- yes. Between the flute oh, and yes. the wine. Okay, okay. So we'll do this. Take this one here. Okay. I'll, I'll let you have the clean, yep. I'll let you have the clean glass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. And then and then we and then we have to do glasses. have to do this one. And so this is going to be the That's a uh, that's a pretty hefty pour you got the, going the, on there. The, this is going to be the sniff test here. This uh-huh. is clean this one. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go here. Now now we can now we can see Okay, first of all the bubbles. Yeah, see. Yeah. See now this this is beginning to bubble yeah. a little bit. Mary, t- tell us what you think. There, I'll do play by play. It's like a golf tournament. Well, they're now sniffing. They the were wine now glasses. we're now sniffing the glass. And to tell you the truth, <laughs> I, I, I really I, I really I really can't tell the difference. You can't tell any difference. No. No. But I tell you that. But the nice thing about just having it in, in a white wine glass is that the white wine glasses fit into the dishwasher much easier. <laughs> And so, and so it's so you don't have to wash them by hand. Yeah, right. Exactly. Some of our champagne glasses don't fit in the dishwasher. We have to wash them by hand, which is a pain in the it neck. It is a pain in the neck. So I'm thinking white wine glass for champagne, and now I've got justification for it, and people won't think that I'm uh, I'm from the back country. Uh, well, d- you'll just have to <laughs> hand them a CD of this discussion, and they exactly. can listen to it in their spare time. Exactly. Amazon and Walmart are going to define the future of shopping. Amazon and Walmart are in a death match. These are two huge giants. <laughs> this is a this is a death match, you know, because these they they are they are both fighting for the same thing. Now, Amazon uh and, well Amazon and I I would say at this point Amazon may have the edge. I was going to say Amazon has the edge. Mm-hmm. Maybe Walmart's in the death match. They're but, fighting for their lives. Yeah, but Amazon's got the so uh, so Amazon or rather Walmart purchased Jetcom to advance its e-commerce uh, uh, efforts in 2016, and Walmart started accelerating its shift at that time from a retail to a tech-focused effort. Now, since then, um, Walmart has um, you know has 
has has tried to get into other had to, has tried to get into other other areas uh like they've they have partnered with Waymo for rides to and from stores Japan's Rakuten for Kobo e-readers they've partnered with Uber Lyft and Postmates for grocery delivery in July Walmart switched its entire cloud operation to Microsoft Azure and Office 365 of course Microsoft Cloud is a big competitor with with the Amazon Cloud. In addition, they have a five-year contract with Microsoft to work on AI projects. In particular, Microsoft is working on the open cashierless brick-and-mortar retail store to compete with Amazon Go. You know, Amazon Go, you go in there and they just they sort of watch what you put in your cart, and then you walk out and you just are billed for it automatically. There's no cashier. Mm-hmm. So there, so there, so uh, Microsoft is working on the same technology for. Uh, for Walmart to try to compete with with Amazon because Amazon is moving into the brick and mortar business, and they're so they're they're leveraging themselves. So Walmart to compete is going to have to innovate like Amazon plus move into the online business. In addition, Walmart plans to transform its Voodoo subsidiary into a, an Amazon Prime Video competitor. Now you know I've used Voodoo. They've got a lot of movies on Voodoo, but it's not as easy to use as Amazon Prime. So they're trying to upgrade that to make it competitive with Amazon Prime. Now Walmart has two tech incubators, one in California and one in Texas. Now they're experimenting with ideas like cashierless stores, personal shopping servers. They're investing in areas of artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence, and computer vision. Walmart is a legacy retail operator trying to compete in a world moving quickly toward online commerce, on-demand delivery, and bundled services. Now, Amazon pioneered that model for years. They lost money for years, actually, while they built logistics and gained dominance in industries as diverse as books with Kindle, shoes with Zappos, video streaming with Prime Video and Twitch. Amazon built up a loyalty program, Amazon Prime, to lock customers into its ecosystem. It's got more than 100 million Prime users, and it's got a cloud computing division Amazon Web Services, that, that actually is highly, highly profitable. Amazon's Whole Foods is tied directly to Prime. It's helping Amazon further branch out into everyday purchases as well as the delivery of groceries and household goods. By the way, this this movement toward the Whole Foods really worried Walmart because one of their most profitable sections in the Walmart store is groceries. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they're worried that this movement of Amazon into groceries is going to cut into their profits. Yeah. Amazon's increasingly moving offline as its online business continues to dominate e-commerce, and Walmart is rethinking its future as customers decide to buy more everyday items online and have them delivered. It's a real easy way to do it, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. This is going to – I mean, I'm basically – I buy everything on my cell phone now because I can find it so fast. Well, that's the thing. When I'm looking for something – I mean, I was looking for some specific parts for a communications device, a uh-huh. police scanner the other day. I'm like, where am I going to find this? And you just go to Amazon, and it's right there. It's there. I mean, I, And it I, shows up at your house. I, I went to a hardware store. I was looking for this particular device, and, and they were running all over trying to find it. I had two people trying to help me. I was standing in the aisle. While they were going around, I found that on, on Amazon – they came back and said, oh, sorry, sir, we don't have it. We can order it. It'll be here in two days. I'd already ordered it. It'll be at my it house. It was wasted time. Yeah, it, would, it just came to mind, and I ordered it while I was mm-hmm. right there. I, you know, I, I, try mm-hmm. to, I try to go to the local stores to, to, to sort of keep them, keep them afloat. That's it for this week and for this year. Join us in 2019 for more Tech Talk Radio. Happy New Year from all of us at Tech Talk.
Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.